Hello, I'm Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, a child psychologist, entrepreneur, and mum with a passion for problem solving and family adventures. Join me each week for practical tips and on-air consultations with the smartest, kindest parents and their incredible kids. Find answers faster, do things differently, and take your family further. This is impressive. This episode is sponsored by brightchild.com. Now let's get started. This is episode eight of Impressive, and I'm your host, Dr. Kimberly O'Brien. This week, we're speaking to a consultant, Jenna Lundquist. She is based in Montana. I met her recently at the Biz Chicks Live conference in LA, and I met her there previously as well in the year before. Jenna is one of those people that just lights up her room. She's a great communicator. She helps leadership teams to make decisions that drive long-term success. Jana is also a busy mother of two. She has a three-year-old and a five-year-old and husband, Tyson. Together, they're working on a current parenting challenge, and that is trying to get the kids to sit at the table for longer than two or three minutes. It tends to happen in the evenings when they come home from, from work and school. There's a whole lot going on. And I thought this episode might be particularly interesting for listeners that are preparing for a big Christmas banquet in the next couple of weeks. And this can often be a time when parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles are all trying to get the kids to sit down at the table at the same time, despite there being lots of distractions and a huge variety of food choices. If you're interested in the impact of preservatives on toddlers' behaviour, you might also like to listen to last week's episode, episode number seven, with Steph Meads. So you can do that after you've listened to this one. So without further ado, Here's Jenna Lundquist on helping toddlers to sit at the table. Absolutely, Kimberly. It is so lovely to be here. I love hearing your wonderful voice. It was so great to see you again so recently in person. I am based in Missoula, Montana, as you mentioned, and I have found the niche in my consulting practice to be serving as a leadership team advisor mm-hmm. and really helping teams create what I call productive teaming which is about making sure that teams are aligned and on the same page and really heading in the same direction with a singular agenda rather than sort of all in their own silos doing their own things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people think that it doesn't sound very appealing, but it is the, it is the best thing in the world <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And I absolutely love being able to see the results of the teams that I get to work with. I love your little catch cry there. Clarity yields results. And I'm thinking that if everyone's on the same page, then they're all working in the same direction and everyone's crystal clear about what the goals are. Is, is that how it kind of pans That's out? That's exactly after how I think of it. You know, it's funny. I started my business after my younger child was born and I thought of the name of my business and that tagline at a, mid, at a middle of the night nursing session. Uh-huh. <laughs> but nice. clarity yields results really has, has stood the test of time. And that's exactly right. When we all know what the expectations are and what the goals are, it's mm-hmm. easier for us to do our individual parts to help achieve that. I love it. Uh, organizations really open to feedback or do you need to kind of work through resistance or um, any kind of defensiveness or how does it usually pan out? Oh, that's a great question. Of course, it always depends. It depends on the organizational culture and maybe what's going on at a certain point in time. Oftentimes I can sense whether there's psychological safety on a team or not. 
-hmm. You know, if there's a lot of fear or a lack of trust, there's Mm -hmm. probably more work that needs to be done up front to get people to let their guards down a little bit. And the more that trust grows, the more people know that they can count on each other and the easier it gets from there. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of around building trust and um, helping people to feel confident in their roles within that organization and not threatened. Absolutely. And I think the more individuals can understand that a successful team raises everyone up and it's not a zero sum game and that a colleague can do well and that improves the performance of the entire team rather than threatening someone else on the team. I love it. Can we bring that back to now your family dynamic and do you play the leadership role in your family of four and can you tell us a little bit more about, um, yeah, your family, your children, your partner, and then the roles that you play within that dynamic? Oh, this is very interesting. I didn't expect (laughs) to go here. Um, Absolutely. So I have a young family. My husband, Tyson, and I have been together since college, and he has an active life as an entrepreneur himself. Mm -hmm. And we have two children. My daughter, Keenan, turns five tomorrow, and my son, Lucas, just turned three this fall. So we have sort of graduated from the strollers and diapers phase Mm -hmm. of our lives into more of the preschool enjoyment and opportunities and challenges that go along with that greater independence. I can just picture that. I'm thinking lots of prepping, maybe lunch boxes and things like that and drop-offs and pickups. and Lots of drop-offs and pickups, mm-hmm. a little bit of they're taking a hip-hop dance class, oh, fun. Fall, which is adorable. Mm-hmm. So not too many of those outside activities, which I understand just grow and grow as kids get older. But yes, lots of making sure that all the moving parts of our lives are hopefully, if not totally aligned, at least not totally out of order either. Absolutely. Absolutely. That sounds awesome. I'm just thinking like, what's a day in the life of, you know, your family life look like for you guys? Like what time are they awake? And then mealtimes, bedtimes. I would say our awake time with our kids lasts from about 6.30 in the morning until maybe 7.15 or 7.30 in the evening. Mm -hmm. My son is our alarm clock. He has sort of a kid alarm clock, not an alarm clock, but a kid clock in his room that Mm -hmm. shows visually when it's okay for him to get out of bed. And as soon as the bunny is awake, which Uh is the light that comes on his alarm clock, he comes down and, and gets the day started for the rest of us. They actually have breakfast and lunch at the the preschool they attend. So all of that happens there. Mm -hmm. But then we all, um, my husband goes to his office downtown and drops the kids off. I work out of an office that's attached to my home. And Mm -hmm. we all come back together around 530 in the evening for dinner. And maybe we can talk about that. Mm -hmm. And some fun evening activities of one kind or another. That sounds good. So tell me a little bit more about dinner. And is that your current parenting challenge? I'm thinking with those age groups, that would be a pretty common 
It um, is our it is our mm-hmm. our current parenting challenge. It's the time of day. I've heard people call, you know, right after school, after work, a number of different euphemisms. You know, it's uh-huh. a hard time of day. People are worn out. We've all given our all during whatever day we had um, over the course of the previous hours. But I find that it's really critical that we sort of get dinner on the table as quickly as we can once Tyson and the kids walk into our home. But we're having a lot of trouble sort of developing norms or guidelines Mm -hmm. and sticking to them around even just sitting for a certain amount of time at the dining room table Uh having dinner together. I can imagine that they're all quite excited when they come through the door. Is there lots of talking and movement or yeah can you describe absolutely yes there's talking there's movement there's showing off of artwork that has Mm -hmm. been done during the day maybe i've picked up library books so they have some new books that they get to look at so yes there's a flurry of activity as they come in plus some sort of dishing up of dinner Mm -hmm. and filling Mm -hmm. of glasses and you know a quick setting of the table with the hope of kind of sitting down for a little family meal time Yes. And then on a good day, how does it pan out? (laughs) Well, on a good day, it's interesting. I took on my own, my my husband was out of town this weekend. On my own, I took the kids out to a lovely restaurant in our town for brunch. Mm -hmm. And on on a good day, which coincidentally or not coincidentally, is outside (laughs) of our home and outside Uh of our normal routine, they can sit and carry on conversation and maybe do some coloring or a little bit of playing at the table for an hour, 15 minutes, or even an hour and a half. And they're terrific. I think they understand the expectations of a more grown up or less Mm -hmm. familiar setting like that. Mm Mm-hmm. But a more typical day in our household looks more like uh, by the time, you know, one of the parents is up kind of getting the last of the table set and our kids look at what we've prepared, are either into it or rejecting of it. Uh (laughs) There's a lot of negotiation about how many bites to eat. And then we never manage to keep them seated at the table for very long. So Mm -hmm. the time in which all four of us are all sitting down looking at each other is, I mean, maybe sometimes five or seven minutes mm-hmm. Okay, it's not a bad personal best like to work from. Well, so. it doesn't sound very successful on my end, but I appreciate, <laughs> you, I appreciate you normalizing it a little bit, Kimberly. Yeah, because I'm thinking like a three-year-old, they've got a lot of energy and, you know, there's so many interesting things to look at when you first come through the door, like those library books maybe and... Yeah, after so much movement and exploring at school, uh, I think seven minutes is, is a pretty good start. Okay. Um, but at the restaurant, sometimes they can sit and do colouring for like an hour, an hour and 20 minutes. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So mm, what would you hope to achieve? Like what's your ultimate at home? Even like even 15 or 20 minutes sounds mm-hmm. lovely. I would mm-hmm. love to be sort of planting the seeds or setting age-appropriate expectations so that dinner is a special time, a special Mm -hmm. yet recurring time that we connect as a family each night. Great. I love the sound of it. I'm thinking of maybe changing it up a little bit so that instead of sitting in the same spot at the same table with the same rules, like you could do maybe just a, a test run of somewhere different, like 
maybe using a, I'm not sure how this would work, Jana, I'm thinking like a picnic rug on the floor in the kitchen perhaps mm-hmm. and some cushions and then like some period of time actually sitting on the floor cross-legged like you would in the park. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit interesting and different. Sure. You have some, some music on or you could, you know, drop the lights and, and have some candles going, you know, higher than where you're sitting so you, the kids are not grabbing at the candles. Sure. But just something that's a little bit special and different just to see whether you can get past your five to seven minute focus. Right. A, I love like those ideas. Hey, have you heard of therapeutic resources? They're the sorts of things that child psychologists use to encourage kids to express themselves. And they're also available to parents and teachers via the therapeuticresources.com.au website. You can find out more about children's books that convey stories and strategies around making and keeping friends, as well as managing bullies, um, winning and losing, turn-taking, a whole bunch of different things that are helpful when you are helping your young people overcome issues. And you don't want to do it directly. You might want to use a bedtime story to help convey that issue and to give them strategies on how to manage it. You'll also find some therapeutic cards, which are helpful when it comes to talking about feelings and how to express emotions. But to find out more, go to therapeuticresources.com and you can check out the Quirky Kid Pack. It's a complete kit featuring all of Quirky Kid's resources, which we've published ourselves. So take a look, therapeuticresources.com.au. Have you heard of um, timetimer.com? They use those quite a lot in um, preschool settings. So it's just like a big red block of time that you can move with your finger, you know, around a circular like clock sort of style. If it's five minutes to go, it's just like a small slither of red that you can see. If you've got half an hour, it's a bigger block. And so you can watch the red getting smaller and smaller until it goes ding when you run out of time. So that's one visual timer. That's time timer. Or otherwise you can use um, like a big hourglass or egg timer Something that shows the sand dropping through so the kids are like knowing. You could even kind of mark the egg timer. So if you can get to this point and there's a little pen mark on it, that's when we're going to. Right. Those are beautiful ideas. Mm. It's quite visual, isn't it? It's like It is visual and that's so helpful. Mm. Mm. Engaging a three-year-old and making it fun. Mm -hmm. And and the five-year-old, tell me more about um, what she does. Is she just all talk and... Well, yeah, what's her behavior like when she... You when know, it really, de- it really depends on the day and it dep- mm-hmm. depends a little bit on the food that we're serving. Mm-hmm. She is a very focused eater if she's on board with the menu. If she's not, she might be quick to eat a little something and then sort of dart off to another mm-hmm. activity and we're sort of going, Keenan, Keenan, come back. It's time, you know, it's time for dinner. Mm-hmm. And with, you know, gradually less patience in those requests. Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm just thinking again, making it fun. Like if when you're not at the table, if you're playing a game of like musical chairs, you know how you put all the chairs back to back in the center of the room and then put right. the music on. There's four people in the family. So just having three chairs and working your way around. And then when the music stops, you have to go sit on a chair. And you know how the kids like grab those chairs and hold themselves on because they really want the chair. <laughs> yes. I feel like we could maybe let Kina know that. During dinner, it's kind of like a game of musical chairs where you've got to be stuck to that chair. Like yeah. that's the aim of the game. You can't yeah. slip out or give your chair up. Mm-hmm. You've got to own that chair. And if you do, I think it's good to have rewards. So if she's thinking, I just want to slip out and go and 
like what would she be looking to do? What's her motivation? Oh, she would want to go do a puzzle or color or find a toy to play with, any of those things. Yes. So now I'm thinking, you know, at the restaurant where they were able to sit for over an hour, I wonder what it would look like to have colouring and paper and things at the table or whether that would be too distracting and they'd forget to eat like Mm -hmm. at home. What do you think? Well, they eat at the restaurant. The food's Mm -hmm. probably also also a little better than what we we have Mm -hmm. on a typical Tuesday night, right? It's it's worth a shot. I think I, I would probably look to your guidance about that too because, you know, what I'm trying to nurture is healthy eating habits and sort of connectedness with each other, you know, emotionally and socially and all those sorts of things. And I'm, I'm willing to experiment with other tools or distractions or whatever, um, as long as we're kind of getting towards those goals. I love it. So use it kind of as a, as a motivator. So if you can sit on your seat Mm -hmm. for the first two minutes, then yes, you can pull out the little box of pencils and, and coloring paper. Yeah. Um, so kind of just maybe to get them to through the last, you know, five minutes or something like that. So you got two mm-hmm. minutes of good focus without any props Absolutely. and then five minutes of getting over the finish line, which is like that seven minute mark or the yeah, nine minute yeah. mark. And then this is a little different question than what we, a little kind of an additional question. Mm -hmm. Do you have any guidance about how much we should be trying to control how much they eat of a certain Mm -hmm. meal? Or are there ways to be, again, healthy about that? We're not trying to just make them eat to eat. And obviously they they ought to play a role in deciding what they enjoy and what they're hungry for and that sort of thing. Do you have any good rules of thumb about that? Yeah, I think no negotiating. So it's not like one more bite and then you can leave the table or one more bite and then you can have dessert. If there's too much negotiating, then it sort of gives them too much power and it's Mm. like this kind of devalues the meal. Mm -hmm. So kind of thinking more of like, oh, I made that today and I put a lot of love into that. Like I rolled those little, you know, little meatballs. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I had the music on while I was rolling them. That kind of like, mm-hmm. I really enjoyed making that meal for you and you guys, yeah. I'm really going to enjoy it. And you know, that kind of, it's not so much about what you've created, just more the intention behind it. So they're like, oh, mom's made something special and she's really proud of it. So sure. Yeah. It's not about the calories necessarily or the transaction. It's more about the experience and the intention. The, yeah. The meal itself. Yeah, it's important to mum and she's, yeah, put the time in. And so mm-hmm. just out of, because you've already got that love and respect from them in, in your relationship. So you can be quite influential without needing to go through all the, you know, nutritional facts and figures and things like that. <laughs> that never As, goes very well anyway. Yeah. So I'm glad that you're giving me permission to stop that. Okay. That sounds good. Um, and also smaller portion sizes. So again, mm-hmm. you can have success. Yep. It's like you ate a lot or you've done three quarters, try not to do too much dividing of the plate, you know, let them have control of the utensils or for the three-year-old, it's more comfortable using his fingers. And that's the way, you know, the meal's designed to be eaten with the fingers. Then, yeah, let let them do it their way rather than reaching across and correcting them or anything like that. So the atmosphere should just be pretty light and playful. Mm-hmm. And I have found that sometimes when kids don't want to come to the table, like often when they're older, and, um, you know, sort of between eight and 10 years, sometimes they're just feeling a bit anxious before mealtimes because that's when, you know, dad's just come home from work or mum's really particular about how things are supposed to be. So, yeah, try not to have a big 
behavioral focus more about so good to spend time with you guys and we'll put the music on we've got the candles this is going to be so nice tone for the evening together yes yes that's brilliant yeah so it's kind of a little bit of a change i guess but you can also have a family meeting around that to say i just want meal times to be more fun what about you guys what do you think we could do to make yes. it more fun. Yeah, and they're both verbal enough that they'll they'll have some ideas, right? Mm-hmm. And they'll probably be more bought in if if we're incorporating their ideas into the process. Yes, yes. Maybe there could be a little games, you know, like you know, the the girl likes sorry, I can't say her name. That's <laughs> <It's laughs> <Tina>. okay. <laughs> yeah. As she likes puzzles and things. So if they can stay at the table for that period of time, instead of getting right into washing up and jobs straight after dinner, it could be like, mm. right, now it's puzzle time or now it's your little boy's choice um, to make the, you know, after dinner game. Yep, absolutely. Dino- Dino- dinosaurs this month mm-hmm. is what we be doing with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, so there's a little more instant gratification rather mm-hmm. than dinner and then we clean up and then we'll give you the attention that you're, you're looking for, kind of give mm-hmm. them attention through the dinner and mm-hmm. then have kind of the payoff of a fun activity right mm-hmm. after our allotted time has been completed. Yeah, sounds good. I can't wait to share this with my husband. We're going to be <sighs> incorporating your ideas ASAP, Kimberly. Oh, that sounds good. Let me know how it goes. I will. Thank you so much. No problem. So let's wrap it up. Thanks so much for asking. It's such a good opportunity. I just love consulting to high achieving um, CEOs and like having the opportunity to hear how well you're doing with work and then one tiny thing you'd like to fix at home that just (laughs) fills me with like gratitude because I love brainstorming and uh, making things better because in every family it's the same situation there's always a new challenge to tackle. Absolutely. Well, and I love, I love being able to access experts like you, Kimberly. And Jenna, how will they go when there's more than just your immediate family at the table? Does that lead to more challenges? I'm just thinking of when our kids were that same age, sometimes a grandparent would, you know, jump in and say, Hey, sit down, like change the tone of the. Isn't that um, interesting? That's a really interesting question. We'll actually have a pretty small group. Um, Just two grandparents will be at the Thanksgiving table in addition to us. So it'll be a relatively small group of six, Mm -hmm. but it can, it can depend on who's at that table. In this case, my mom and her partner are extremely supportive. And so once Mm -hmm. I clue them into some of the ideas that we'll be incorporating they'll be completely on board and in alignment mm-hmm. and supportive of of trying to nurture some of these good skills for them sounds good and i also had a thought about the you know how they have their breakfast and lunch at school yes i wonder have you ever observed the way they do their meal times and are there things from that that you could take home? Mm, and that's a good do? idea. I've, you know, I observe breakfast sometimes because they're sort of serving breakfast as the kids arrive in the morning. I haven't mm-hmm. been there around lunchtime, but I could definitely pose that question to their lead teacher to say, you know, are there any sort of rituals or other ways that you do things that we might incorporate at home? Mm. I remember when um, our son Benji was about three years old at their preschool, they would sit the kids in little groups of maybe four or five on a mat. And then the teacher would sit on a chair in front of them with like a tray of finger food. And then she'd use tongs to pass it to each child as they raised their hand. So it was mm-hmm. quite, quite structured. And the kids were like puppy dogs, you know, just kind of sitting and focused and ready to get the next snack when they'd <laughs> finish the first. Waiting for the tongs to come their way. 
Exactly. And so different to a standard family mealtime. So we, we would do the same as you guys. We'd sort of sit around the table and put the options out. And after the high chairs, well, we used high chairs. I don't know whether you did that with your... We did, guys. yes. And those were brilliant, of course, because we, they were strapped in. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. And then there's different parenting... Um, schools of thought around, you know, strapping kids down, Mm -hmm. you know, like whether it's respectful or not, even with car seats to have restraints. And like, that's, that is obviously an area where I'm feeling like that we need to put safety first. And sometimes when they're little and they're trying to crawl out of their um, high chairs, I feel like straps are important. While we just listening to the last part of this episode, would you mind checking out your podcast app to find out how you can share this episode? It's quite simple. Look for the small dots in the corner, click on that, and you'll see an option to share this episode. You could do it with a friend, colleague, family member, local GP, psychologist, or someone you know in children's mental health and education who might benefit from some of these strategies. I'd really appreciate it. And now back to the show. When you said that you weren't using high chairs at this point, is it because they're too big for high chairs or... How did you transition from high chairs to chairs and when did that happen? You know, we kept my daughter in a high chair for a long time. My son, he he just got to a point probably before he turned two where he just refused to sit in it anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, where it would be a kicking, a kicking yes. re- wrestling match to get him into the chair or into the tray. Yes. And so we just kind of gave in more or less at that point and let him sit at the table in a, in a regular sort of adult chair with the rest of us. Yes. Is he um, on some sort of a booster? So he's like high enough to see what's happening at the table or is it feel, does it feel like a bit of a reach for him? You know, he probably mostly, he sometimes sits on his knees to have oh, yeah. a little bit of extra boost Mm-hmm. And he can sort of sit on his bottom as well, I think, and have enough enough height to, you know, spoon from his bowl or that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think, would you suggest a booster for someone his age? Maybe it could be more comfortable. Like I'm mm-hmm. thinking if you're on your knees, I'm just thinking of what your chairs might be made of. Like if yeah. it's wooden chairs, I'd be more likely to wiggle around. But And then I'm thinking of like one of those booster seats that don't require any straps or anything, but they're quite comfy. You know, you can yes. sort of... So they'd have like a cushion on top. Maybe he'd feel like even being slightly higher, it's like, whoa, mm-hmm. look at you, you know, kind of a little yeah, bit. Yeah, kind of a big kid sort of experience. Yeah, right? yeah, which is I think what he's wanting, you know, when he didn't want to be in that high chair anymore. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, big kid like my sister. Right. So now if he's got like a special throne, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. maybe that will just make you feel a bit more of a presence at the table or something. Yes. Like no, that's a terrific idea. Yeah, see how it goes. I love it. Good. Well, I've loved talking to you and I feel like I need to go and wrap up. It's 7.30 in the morning here in Australia, so we need to get our breakfast started. (laughs) Starting your day, absolutely. Yes. Yes. Thank you for your time and all of your wonderful insights and suggestions. I can't wait to follow up with you to let you know how they're going. Thank you so much to Jana again for being part of this on-air consultation. And if you'd like to be part of an on-air consultation, you can. You just need to email support at quirkykid.com.au. That's support at quirkykid.com.au. And let them know you'd love to be part of an on-air consultation. Our reception will send you a Zoom link and we can talk in a time zone that suits us both. So it can be anywhere around the world. I'm happy to talk to you about your current 
Parenting Challenge. I'm Dr. Kimberly O'Brien, and this was Impressive. <laughs>